Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion. This is your weekly Star Wars podcast rounding up the latest Star Wars news, some reviews and discussion and our random spotlight when Mark and I can be bothered. I mean, when we have time to get into that stuff. Uh, It's a cool week because my co-host is back, back on the scene. We've figured out the technical gremlins and stuff, aka we've done it a different way. So we're all good now. So welcome back, dude. How you been? I'm all right, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you know, I know when you're absent for two weeks, you uh, you get sidelined, and I was ex- fully expecting to come back in this week and be be replaced by someone else. Uh, I know a few people circling on the Patreon account would be uh, would be all over that, but alas, we made it back. I enjoyed last week's episode, though, dude. So uh, you know, there is a career for you um, in solo podcasting about Star Wars if you ever decide to sack me. So thanks, buddy. <laughs> There's hope for you yet. I think is what you're trying to say. A bit more, bit more practice, Gary. You'll be all right. Yeah. Well, you said that. I usually credit other people, uh, <laughs> but no, I thought you were solid. I thought you were solid. A couple of bits of feedback. Um, I'll do the jokes. That's the first one. Of course. And of course. There is, there is no, there is no second one. That's all I've got. Because there's no dead weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Milligan, please, Everett. So, <laughs> sessions. <laughs> it's great to have you back. Within like one, <laughs> within one minute. Here we go. So it's it, honestly, it's great to have you back, dude. Um, I missed you. I hope you're having a good time over in the US. Have you um stumbled across any Star Warsy stuff while you've been over there? Any cosplayers just randomly walking about? Yeah, I mean, there's not been any of that. Um, but we did do uh, we like we did do the Warner Brothers tour, which I know is not necessarily Star Warsy, but they've always got bits of stuff like where they. You know where they film random stuff because the sound stages were, were were bigger at Warner Brothers than in other places and so on. So there's there's always like these little bits of things that you end up doing. Then we did like this huge pop Funko store in in uh, Hollywood, which was just absolute wall to wall everything. You know Marvel. There was just some Star Wars stuff there. On, honestly, I was saying to Sam, I could have spent a significant chunk of money had we not <laughs> been travelling for such a long time and had to carry it all around. I would have, I would have spent so much money. Um, in that in that shop, so there was those bits, and then I've I've actually finished up. I actually over one day read the uh, the Force Collector book, so I've been having a like it's interesting when you're away from home, you, you, you're not in usual routine. So I've not been you know I've not been doing the usual stuff. We, we're lucky to be on site with a place that's got a gym um, and like a bit of outside chilling area. So I've just been chilling and reading. So I finished this, I started and finished this Force Collector book, um, which was one of, I think it was the second book in the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker. You know, they've done like the Journey to the Force Awakens, Journey to the Last Jedi. Oh yeah. Um, And they did this Force Collector book, which was this really weird little book. It was was like a two and a half hour read, blatantly a young adult novel. And I mean, blatantly a young adult novel, but kind of chronicles everything up to The Force Awakens from the eyes of an outsider. Um, and it's it's actually quite interesting because you get a real look at like some of the propaganda that the Emperor put out and how the Jedi were um, thought of during not only the end of the Clone Wars, but also throughout the Age of the Empire. And, um, it's, you, know, it's, you know, like the literature that blurs the lines between the classic Star Wars good and evil. Mm-hmm. It's one of those... And it just, from that perspective, is really interesting. Plus, there's a couple of little, like, surprising little reveals in there that I, I'll not mention here, but that that are just, they're nothing huge, but they're just nice-to-haves on the lead-up to The Force Awakens. So it's this it's, it's this really weird little book. And I realise I said The Force Awakens then, which is right, because even though it's the journey to the rise of Skywalker, the book takes place probably... 
probably like the week before the Force Awakens, which is which is crazy. A week so before. In yeah, it's it's nuts, man. Um, and I don't want to give too much away to, uh, as to why I think that and why it's set in that time frame. But if you read it, you'll see why. But it's just this weird little book, dude. It's 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 like for two and a half hours. It's well worth a read. Sounds good. Sounds good, dude. Yeah. I've got um, I've got Force Collector lined up on the old Kindle. So yeah, uh, that's what I did it on. Yeah, because uh, a Kindle you can throw in the water as it turns out, which I didn't realise. But when you drop it, it survives, unlike a paper book, which I do not think would. Uh, done that a couple of times, dude. Paper book in the bath, hairdryer out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm now imagining you, dripping wet, jumping out of the bath, like, oh, not again. Where's yeah. the hairdryer? <laughs> I did that with my original copy of Stephen King's It. Gutted. No chance. Yeah. Gutted. That's, that's that's not a small book either. I like that you anticipated you had the shoulder strength, the forward delt strength, to be able to hold a book of that size <laughs> up in the bath. <laughs> I don't mess about. Ah, that's why you're ripped. And a workout. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, dude? What's uh, What's been on your radar, Star Wars-wise, this week? Apart from all the crazy news and the crazy happenings, what's, uh, what's been going on in terms of consumption or content? Uh, no content consumption, dude. Light on that stuff. Although, uh, I did spend a little bit more time. I'm like 92% on Jedi Fallen Order. So a few weeks back, or last month, whatever it was, I started the, I completed the story mode, the story campaign in the game. But then I wanted to go through and get every little thing, like 100% of the game. So I did put a couple of hours into that on Monday. Other than that, I've not really done anything Star wars in terms of consuming content. I have been... Get excited about the news that's dropped this week, though. And I've also started to kind of get excited. Now we're coming up to the end of Feb. The the news broke, was it last week, that the Disney Plus is going to launch earlier than planned. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be right at the end of March, the 31st. I think it's now the 24th of March. So now we've only got three weeks-ish to wait instead of a month. So that's that's awesome. Have so, you pre-ordered it yet? Because it's, it's on an annual deal at the minute. It's like 49 quid for the, for the year. I, I pre-ordered it yesterday um have you done the same yet uh not yet because i'm waiting to hear from so i've got a disney life account in the uk yeah yeah so they emailed everybody last month and said disney life is becoming disney plus and we'll let you know how that's going to happen and all that stuff but they just haven't emailed us yet so i don't know if they're going to email with the same offer or offers or whatever it might be so i don't know um i'll leave it another week because i think that offer for the 50 quid is up until uh, another couple of weeks yet. So I'll give it another week. If they don't contact me, I'll just cancel that and sign up with that offer. That's pretty cool though. 50 quid for a whole year's worth of content. That's cool. Yeah, it, it really is, man. I mean, it's only 60 quid for the whole year without the offer, you know? So it's it's worth digging into when you look at it. I, w- I was kind of, it was a weird one because I was kind of, when I signed up, I was looking at all the content on there and I was like, do you know what? Like I like Disney stuff, but I'm not, I ain't going to sit down <laughs> and watch Lion King. You know, and I, I know Sam will. Sam will watch Lion King over and over and over, and I won't. What's wrong so with you? What's I just, wrong with you? I know, God, what a weirdo. Yeah. But I can just see me just binging like all the Star Wars and just watching the Star Wars stuff even more. Like, what do you Thursday night seven p.m. What shall I do? Shall I go to the gym or watch Revenge of the Sith again for the third time this week? Yeah, go on, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. It's an odd one, and I'm, I'm even thinking. I think I'm going to wait to watch the Clone Wars until until I get Disney Plus as well. Um, I don't know how you feel about that because obviously um, the, the Clone Wars has dropped. What what say you on that one? Have you watched it? Are you going to watch it? Are you going to wait till Disney Plus? Like, what's the sitch? Yeah, I'm still undecided, dude. I said that on last week's episode actually, because um, episode one dropped last week, mm-hmm. and I said exactly the same thing. I was like, I'm really not sure whether to whether to source that from somewhere or just wait until Disney plus launches here and then just binge watch whatever they've. So the first four episodes by that point, I would have thought and just carry on from there. I'm not sure, but it's a conundrum. It's a star Wars conundrum. For sure. It is. Cause it's, we know that that will probably be more enjoyed binge watched. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know, it's going to be one of those where you're like, I need the next one or what's coming next. And, and it, it feels like they're not going to bring Anakin and Ahsoka and any of the, big players out for a major story arc until, I mean, what, is it a 12-episode season? So they've got six, uh, sorry, they've got eight episodes, so it looks like it's going to be three batches of four story. Um, it's, it's just going to be better to binge it, isn't it, you would have thought? 
you would i would i would say so yeah because it's the, the good thing with the clone wars it's it's for the most part anyway they are very moorish if that makes sense so when you get to the end of one it's it's very easy just to be like uh just one more just one more and then it's like 3 a.m and it's like oh just one more Nah, just <laughs> yeah go on and just one more so yeah I, I see what you mean it's it's very they're very binge worthy so yeah that actually brings us on to our first news story dude so let, what we got what yeah we let's got? crack what on with that before we get on to news though just a friendly reminder to everybody that if you like the show and you want to give us a sub that's very much appreciated just head over to whatever app you listen to your podcast on do a search of spark of rebellion or head over to spark forward slash listen there's links off to all of the popular apps and networks uh, we'd love you to, to sub so you don't miss a show when that lands every single saturday we're also on the socials instagram twitter and facebook just do a search for us over there connect with us because we post um, various little bits about star wars news and on gaming and films and and the upcoming books all that stuff so it'd be great to connect with you over there and if you like what we do and you want to support the show head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion you can jump on and support us at various different tiers there and bag yourself some some sor swag and uh, uh and have a, an influence on what we do in terms of the uh, random spotlight and jump on the show and all that stuff so um yeah and we've got some cool plans for for patreon this year as well so we'd love to have you on board over there so uh yeah patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion so the the clone wars dude over at starwars.com they've released this uh this what they're dubbing as the correct viewing order for everything which is kind of interesting because uh, as many of you know the 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 broadcast release schedule for the clone wars wasn't exactly uh, i don't think it was um it didn't it didn't follow the events of the characters per se it was uh that they they kind of put these stories out that revolved around a certain theme or a certain uh, thing that happened around a certain character. They they didn't put them out chronologically, so you could follow, like you know, from whatever it was, BBY to you know up up until the, the very last episode. But StarWars.com have now said, well, you know, it's cool. Don't worry, we've got your back. Uh, we're going to list out every single uh, every single episode for you in terms of how that moves along chronologically. And I know they've done this in the past, um, but I think they've tweaked it and updated it as they're releasing the new series seven, season seven episodes. So what they've done is they've, they've put everything for the most part in chronological order. So you start off with, it used to be, you started with the episode ambush. Then you went to rising malevolence and then shadow of malevolence and then all that stuff. Uh, but they tweak it. So the the very first episode is, uh, 216 cat and mouse and then 116 hidden enemy and then the clone wars film that they released early on then we jump on to 301 303 then we go back to 101 uh, but what they do is when we get further down the list they group things into like the bad batch episodes uh the um the dark disciple stuff uh son of dathomir you know that those sorts of things so you were talking a second ago about the clone wars being very binge worthy this is now just an extra tool to just force you to get like the snacks and drinks in hunker down and get cracking what do you reckon yeah i like it man i think that, that starwars.com is um i think star wars overall is is realizing um what am i trying to say with this like the power of the library you know if you look at what disney's strategy is with disney plus retention there you know, things that we're going to come on to later with some of the new stuff that they've announced. I think they're realising the power of of, of uh, extra assets that they've got. The Clone Wars obviously being a massive part of that. Mm-hmm. So now Skywalker Saga's done. I can see them really leaning into this extended literature, this extended media, this cross-media uh, strategy that they've got. And it's interesting to me because... As a fan, you do want to consume. And as a new fan, you know, there are generations coming into this that only saw The Force Awakens for the first time, and that was their first entry point into Star Wars, much like for people that were, you know, 10, 11 uh, in, in 1999, The Phantom Menace was the same, and, you know, much like you and I as kids, uh, where maybe Empire or, or, or Return of the Jedi was my first thing. And, and, and you know, you want to then go back and explore everything. And I think the way that they're doing this chronologically is very interesting because... Like, they don't have to do stuff like this. They could just leave it mm-hmm. and, like, let us figure it out ourselves. Let us, let you know, let the geeks do their job on YouTube and so on. But I, th- I love the fact that they're owning it. 
and they're realizing that, do you know what, we've got an opportunity to really tell the stories how we want to tell them and then push people, you know, really cynically business-wise, then push people really cynically into, oh, now here is more stuff and here is the chronological watch order of these things as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I think number one, it's a wise move and number two, I think it's just an interesting move from a a geek fandom perspective because it just makes our life easier, doesn't it? It's just, if we want to, because let's be honest, we, we're all going to do it. The second a new movie comes out, we're going to blast through Rise of Skywalker, finish all that up. We're going to do the whole Skywalker saga. We're going to do the, the whole Clone Wars because, you know, that's the Skywalker saga, let's be honest as well. And yep. this just makes our life easier. So, yeah, I mean, fair play to them, fair play to them. And it's it's something that I wish other people would do, you know, like DC Comics and Marvel Comics. Like, I just wish they'd just have a massive database online of this stuff. So, fair play, Star Wars, fair play. Yeah, it kind of prompts you to do another rewatch as well, especially if you have that in your mind as well, because I have that sometimes. I'm like, right, not much going on in TV at the moment. I know what I'll do. I'll have a binge watch of of something. So if they bring out this new list, it's like, oh, okay, let me try out this new viewing order. This should be cool. It gets people back into viewing it, and then they start talking about it. And So it's cool. It's a cool little little tool, I suppose, little method to get people back into it. Yeah, it is, man. And it's... I think when you look at it as, as a whole as well, you know, if you take the Del Rey books timeline and every other book timeline from every other publisher, um, in particular, you mentioned they're like Dark Disciple and Sons of Dathomir. If you pull the comic timelines in with the book timelines and suddenly you've got this great Clone Wars timeline, those abandoned storylines like Son of Dathomir, like Dark Disciple, they become much easier to consume because you can watch the Clone Wars, watch that stuff. Ah, right, okay, now I'll read the book. And then, okay, we'll just then jump back into the Clone Wars TV show. So it's it's a whole cohesive approach as opposed to just here's the books timeline, here's the TV timeline. It it pulls everything together, um, which I think is commendable because otherwise, like I said, we're going to do it ourselves. And it's frankly, it's a pain in the backside. <laughs> and th- there are countless times that I've done that where I've pulled, I've sat there and I've pulled together like, okay, which one seems to make sense to watch first? And it's the fact they're doing it for us. It just it's far better, far better. Agree, dude. Very cool. So there we go. That's the Clone Wars viewing order. Check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes over to the uh, the the StarWars.com official list for that stuff. Moving on. Sasha Banks, the WWE superstar uh, on the uh, the old women's roster. She has been supposedly cast uh, over for the, the Mandalorian season two, dude. They've um, uh, not content with uh, the MMA uh, fighter. Uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name from the current series? You know. You know. Well, this is putting me on the spot. I, I know what you mean. She plays Cara Doom, whatever. Cara. That's the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember her, the actress's name. But anyway, they're like, no, no, we need some more muscle. We need some more, some more. Somebody knows how to handle themselves. So apparently this is not confirmed yet by, by Disney or Lucasfilm or anybody. But yeah, Sasha Banks. Uh, those of you that watch WWE will know her. She's the, the wrestler with a bright blue or bright purple hair sometimes, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so it's another, um, it's always a tricky one with over the years, whenever they've cast wrestlers as film stars, I always find it very hit and miss, you know, uh, because very seldom does it work out. I think there's a couple of exceptions to the rule with people like the rock and stuff. But other than that, no, it's not really paid off, really. I mean, if you check out some of the films with people like John Cena, he's not doing too bad, but um, still not amazing, really. And then people like The Miz, I suppose. And yeah, it's just it, oh, it's just a bit cringy sometimes because you think they've got some good skills because they're good on the mic at certain times, but in front of a camera doing like proper acting jobs, quote unquote, kind of falls to crap a little bit. So always hit or miss for me, dude. What do you reckon? I agree. I think The Rock's terrible, but he's literally the hardest working man in any place. Um, <laughs> and he will literally, he will, li- I could honestly, right, I could do a handmade Christmas card to my grandma, send him a contract for it, and he would star in it. Honestly, he would be <laughs> in that. Honestly, he would turn up to the opening of a Chris packet, that kid. But it's brilliant because he, he really does work hard, and I've got a lot of respect for his work ethic. Having said that, you know, they're not the best actors a lot of the time. Like you said, John Cena. The Rock's not a great actor, but neither was Arnie. 
neither was Stallone in his earlier days, apart from, you know, arguably Rocky and, you know, things like Copland. Uh, th- there's a place for these kind of, um, these actors. And I, like I said, I respect the work ethic. I respect the um, desire and the willingness and the fact that if they do turn up and give it everything, you can't ask for more than that. So yeah, fair play. I also like the fact that this is becoming um, the Womandalorian. You know, I like I like the diversity in it. I like that it's it's becoming a little bit more um, equitable in terms of, of of the star balance. And I'm not saying that from the perspective of just because we're in 2020 and that it's trendy to say shit like that. I'm saying that purely because Star Wars has always centered around strong women characters, strong female characters. You know, the the, the original trilogy had obviously Carrie Fisher. We had Natalie Portman in the prequels. Uh, we've had the uh, Felicity, Felicity Jones. Um, you know, every, every era through to Daisy Ridley has, has always featured strong female actors. And I mm-hmm. think it's great that they're continuing that legacy and that Star Wars continues to be inclusive. Um, so I think that's a real benefit. I think that's a real boost and I think that's right. Um, because it would be very easy for that to be done wrong. So yeah, I, I think, you know, overall, I've got not that many opinions on on on, on this overall um, outside of those maybe more political angles. You know, fair play if she can, if she turns up and she can do a job. I mean, would we have said the Cara Doom character was going to be a good character because it was an MMA fighter. On paper, we'd have been saying, well, maybe that's not so hot. But she was good. You know, she was good. She did a good job of it. Um, she was believable. You, you know, she she played a mercenary shock trooper. Was it a shock trooper? Or, a, um, you know, she, she played someone that had left the Empire to join the Rebellion or the Resistance and then, you know, thereafter bailed. Um, she, she played that fairly convincingly. So, you know, yep. fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Uh, what was that? That's really bugging me now. What her name was? Oh, Gina, <laughs> Gina something, wasn't it? Gina Carano, Car- something like Gina that. Gina Carano, that was it. Yep. Yes. So I can see Sasha Banks doing. I can see her appearing as uh, you know, tearing up, having a couple of scraps, but not being like a big player. That's, you know, I can see that happening really. But uh, like you, dude, haven't really got too much opinion on it. It's not confirmed either, so it could be just a, a Chinese whisper thing. But uh, yeah. At least they're still talking about the Mandalorian, which is good. You don't want that to fizzle out. You don't want it to be like Obi-Wan territory where, you know, it goes very, very quiet and all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're going to pull this for a while. So it's good that they're still talking about that stuff and and uh, still keeping it out there in the public, public consciousness, I suppose. Yes, sir. Right, moving on. Um, <laughs> this is another one of those things that seem to be like in fashion with Star Wars over the last year, two years, I would say. And that is we have another project that's being worked on that we supposedly is another film or it could be something to do with Disney Plus TV. We're not quite sure, but a Star Wars feature is being worked on uh, by J.D. Dillard uh, and uh, Matt Owens, who was one of the writers on Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. But... Nobody can tell us at the moment what's going on with this big thing. So this is another like Ryan Johnson situation, I suppose, where we're being told that somebody is working on something, that something is supposedly coming soon, but we don't know when. We don't know if it's going to be a film or a trilogy or a TV show. We also don't know what time frame it's going to be set in. We don't know anything at all, but it's happening. So uh, it's one of those things where, again, you feel like Disney have just got loads of balls in the air that they're juggling around. But there's just no, there's, there doesn't seem to be any solid commitment to anything. <laughs> the only, the only sort of solid thing that we've, that we've grasped hold of recently is the, the High Republic stuff, which we'll come on to. But other than that, dude, this is another one of those. Yeah, it might happen. It might not. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's getting a bit boring, isn't it? Like it's getting a bit weird. It's almost <laughs> it's a bit boring. It is, man. <laughs> it's just. Like, it's getting a bit bizarre. You, you almost want them to just not announce stuff, <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like, a let's just let's just leave it out for a little while. Let's just leave it out. Let's just chill out. Let's just not mention a thing. It's, it, it's almost like they feel compelled to announce stuff because they're worried that people are just going to um, not be interested anymore, which we know isn't the case. It's Star Wars. You know, we went, we went for such a long time without anything. 
So we're, like we're good with that. <laughs> and yeah. It does it just seems weird like stop announcing stuff and then retracting. Like you said, let's you know, let's do a quick roll call of these. You've got Benny Offenweiss who bailed. So is this their thing that has been picked up by someone else? You've got one series. Has that just gone pear-shaped and have these guys picked this up? Is it something fresh? Have they picked up the Ryan Johnson trilogy, which no one's heard a thing about for ages? So just, like you said, what is this thing? What is the, And what's the point? Why not just wait until you can say this thing, which has got this working title, which will be set during this time frame, will be released on this date and is being worked on by these people. Like the, it's like the boy who cried wolf. The more crap they give us that doesn't pull off, the less likely we are to believe that anything will happen. So it's, it was all right for a year, but now it's just getting dull, isn't it? You know? It is, mate. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. It's like if you haven't got anything of any substance to say, then just kind of keep everything locked down. It's very weird because the guys over in the other house, the Marvel dudes, they seem to do this very well, from what I remember. I don't really follow the, the Marvel stuff in any forums or blogs or Reddit or anything like that. But I, I don't remember seeing like big news articles where it says so-and-so is going to be directing the Marvel film or there's going to be this Marvel superhero is going to be, you know. But then it just fizzles out and you don't hear any of it. It's like when Marvel do these things, they do them properly. It's like, yes, here's what we're going to do for Marvel. We're going to feature this new superhero and that hero and this person can direct it, it's going to be awesome. And then they follow that through for the most part from what I remember. And those things get done and it gets released and and it's all good. So it's it's strange why sorry, it's strange how their neighbours in the the Star Wars camp are so bad at that. <laughs> you would have thought that, like we've said many times, you know, it's all under the same roof pretty much. You can all talk to each other. It's like, guys, you've nailed this whole release thing for the last few years. Do you mind just Sharing just five minutes to how he can keep a team motivated as well as happy. But they don't. And that's a tragedy. <laughs> and seriously, it's like, come on, dude. Like these guys are like down down the hallway. Go and have a word. Like, how do you do these things properly? Because at the moment, he just it's a bit like amateur hour at Star Wars, isn't it, with this sort of thing? It's sounding a bit of a joke. <laughs> I think that's that's it feels symptomatic of the entire Star Wars takeover since Lucasfilm and in particular on screen stuff you know take out Mandalorian it feels like this is just how they've run things which is it's like it's two different companies which it is ultimately you know they just happen to be owned by Disney but you think Disney would pull rank and be like look lads what's going on here we need to sort <laughs> this out and you you would assume that for IP that's as large and has as much potential as Star Wars does. The thing that you want is continued excitement, not continued delusion or frustration from the fans. You know, you would want that to be, oh, wow, here's a specific thing I can get up to date on and I can get excited about. And it's funny, like I said, because it feels like that's just the MO for Star Wars, the brand right now. The only thing they followed through on is the Mandalorian, the film's... Which, you know, they're a whole other debate. And Project Luminous, which I know will come to later. But it, it's, it's just starting to feel like no one really is leading. You know, if you look at, well, you know, why has Marvel done so well? Why has Disney as a brand done so well? You know, it's Bob Iger under Disney. And then you've got Kevin Feige. You've got even Jeff Loeb on the, on the TV studio stuff, which I know is now defunct and it's been rolled in and Jeff Loeb is, is no longer helming that one. But for a time, you know, you had two strong people running Marvel's TV and movie studios. And they obviously led it. Like, they obviously had a leader. And it feels like Kathleen Kennedy or whoever's leading Star Wars is just not leading it. And... I don't know whether that's because she's only got expertise in one area. You know, if you look at what Kathleen Kennedy's produced, she's done some amazing work mm -hmm. yep. in the past. But it's like, I don't know, it's like there's just no leader that can sit down and work with a story group, but also sit down and work with the biz dev teams and the PR teams and the marketing teams. It's like, it's like there's a disconnect somewhere. Um, I don't know what that disconnect is. 
And it, obviously that's a wild assumption, but that's just how it feels when you look at Pixar, when you look at Disney the brand, when you look at uh, Marvel, when you look at even, I would imagine, what they're going to be doing with Fox. You know, there's a strategy there, I'm sure. Do, do you know what I mean? It just feels like there's no leader. It does, dude. feels like no one's taking the bull by the horns and running with it and just taking control. It feels like, I don't know, it feels like there's a lot of chefs in the kitchen. Nobody really wants to step up and say, I've got this one. You stick to that bit, what you're good at. Let me do this bit. It feels like, yeah, there's not one person that's that's managed it. Like they have had, like you said, for Marvel. Somebody at Marvel has obviously played the game correctly and sort of worked this stuff out. But yeah, maybe they're sort of a bit selfish, don't want to tell them how to do it. It's like, oh, work this out for yourself. <laughs> we had to do it in the early days. Yeah. No, you can do it by yourself. Yeah. yeah. When I were a kid. Yeah, when I was a nipper. I had to learn. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so you're absolutely right, dude. There's probably nobody. Well, there's probably some people that say they are. It's like, yeah, don't worry, we've got this. But then when it comes to actually, you know, implementing this stuff, it's a bit of a different story, but I don't know. This might have something to do with our last news story, though. So Bob Iger, who arguably could be the guy who should be pushing that stuff to be done correctly, uh, is no longer there anyways. He's jumped ship. Which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah. So Bob Iger, who we thought was going to be sticking around for at least, I think at least another year or two, uh, for the last time, uh, the last thing we heard about that, has decided just to walk, like, not walk away completely because he's going to be staying on as, uh, I think he's staying on as um, as a chairman until until next year, but he's stepping down as, as, uh, as the uh, chief, the CEO, the chief dude. Uh, and it's been replaced by a chap called Bob Chapek, who uh, looks a bit like, you know, Lobot from Empire Strikes Back. It looks like Lobot that's let himself go a little bit. Yeah. So we'll see what this guy. <laughs> Lobot. Lobot. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what this guy is all about. So Chapek, he was uh, recently before he bought. I've been promoted. He was the head. He was head of chairman of Disney. He was chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. So it sounds like he was the guy that was overseeing Disney World, Disneyland, and all that jazz, making sure that that's all good. Uh, so the guy that's ruined Galaxy's Edge, if you listen to the press, is now in charge of everything. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't believe that bit for a second but uh yeah that's the statement that's been put out there's no uh in-depth uh, reason as to why bob Iger decided to walk away early um the only sort of little nugget really is saying is he saying that he feels like it's the optimal time whatever that means the optimal time for him to to hand the reins over to somebody else uh, so yeah the stock's dropped obviously share's gone down by a couple of percent which you would expect when there's like a big shake up at the top so it's all going on at the Disney, uh, at the top top table. It is, man. And, uh, you know, optimal time. You know, Bob, that sounds like management speak. And I know how much you hate management speak. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's a weird one, this, because I think listening back to his book, you know, the leadership book that he put out a while ago, I'm fairly sure that the Fox deal was contingent on him remaining CEO until the end of 2021, I think. It might be 2020, but I want to say 2021 because that only went through in 2019. So this is an odd one, this. You've got to you've got to think it's for personal reasons because, again, when you listen to his book, you, you realise that he was ready to rock. He was ready to get out of there, you know, just because he was tired, I think. You know, I don't know. It's not anything nefarious. There's nothing nothing under the, under the skin of it. But, you know, you're running, a, uh, you're running Disney, man. I mean, you know, I run a small company and that's stressful. You know, imagine running Disney. It's it's up there with being president, I would imagine. Um and it's it's it's, it's gotta be taxing. And he's you know, he's not a young guy, you know, he's not a mega old guy, but he's certainly coming up to touching seventy over the next four years. And it just must I, I think he must be tired. The, the the sad thing is that, you know, like I said, a lot of the stuff that, that was done, a lot of the risks that were taken, Pixar, Marvel 
Star Wars, Fox, they all seem to be driven, especially, again, if you listen to his book, they all seem to be driven by Bob and his his approach to risk. Certainly the Pixar deal, you know, in the early days, that was his first acquisition. It was huge. It was like $7 billion. I forget what the pricing was. That's probably way off. But it was, it was, a, it was a crazy amount, you know? And it was all driven by Bob's willingness to risk it. And there was, you know, there were deals that he's pulled out of, things like the Hulu, was it Hulu deal? There was, might not have been the Hulu one, but there was something that he pulled out of um, that was, you know, set to be a pretty big deal. And it it just must be tough. Now, the, the, the sad thing with this is that it's, uh, you can see that he's still in the role of whatever, executive whatever. He's obviously in that role transitional, uh, to, to, as a transitional phase to help this new Bob, Bob Tours we'll call him, um, just to help him settle in to give the board reassurance that Iger's still around, that it's not just an up and dump it, you know, to give the shareholders, to give the press, to give the teams. That's just there to say, well, look, Uncle Bob's still around. If you need anything, I'm, you know, I've got you back. But it's a weird one. I have to admit it's a weird one. But it's the timing's unexpected, but the approach is not unexpected. You know, I just expected this maybe this time next year. Um... How it shakes out for Disney, I don't know. What's interesting to me is that if you look at Bob Iger, he came from some background. You know, he came from ABC, he came up through TV. Yeah, sure, he didn't have much movie experience, but he was, he really was production. The new guy, Bob, that's coming in from the park side of things, you know, that's a very different skill set. And it's interesting to me, just as they're on the crest of Disney Plus, just as they're on the crest of running Marvel, Fox, bringing in Star Wars, you know, the, the, you, what you can only assume to be a whole new raft of Pixar films. It's just a, it's a weird time for someone to come in that isn't from the TV or movie space. Maybe that's because the Disney team have got faith in their business leads. So Kevin Feige and, you know, the people that are leading the relevant studios, but then right back to the last point, what does that mean for Star Wars? Because we've just said there's no leadership there. So, potentially concerning as a Star Wars fan, but, you know, I mean, all we can do is see how it shakes out, isn't it, really? Yeah, that's it, buddy. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting... I find the timing, the more I think about it, maybe it's because of the whole Disney Plus thing. Maybe it was a case of, I've got Disney Plus over the line. It's launched, it's live, it's all good. The saga, the saga, Skywalker saga's wrapped up and done. Disney Plus is live. You know, now it feels like a good sort of slot in between, like the next batch of stuff for me to do one. And uh, actually, sorry yeah. to jump in on that. You're, that's actually a really interesting point because the Marvel, the first Infinity Saga is done. Like you said, Skywalker saga's done. Galaxy's Edge open. Disney Plus live. That's a fair point, actually, dude. Yeah, that might explain some of the timing aspect of it, I suppose. So now that all of those things are out there, it's like, well, am I just going to now try and, you know, get a few things off the line and get somewhat involved and I'm going to have to hand the reins over sort of mid-project or does now feel like a good time to sort of throw it over the fence and I'm going to go and enjoy? I wonder what he's going to do with retirement. Wonder what he's going to spend do. all the money that he's got because he has got a chunk. Oh yeah, he's got his Ford Mondeo that locks with a key that you don't have to put in the door. He's got his car, he's got his baby Yoda, he's got his Kung Fu, Teddy. He's, yeah, he's got a lot. So <laughs> we'll see, dude. But yeah, this new guy, we'll we'll see what chops he's got. He might. I don't know. It doesn't sound like this is interim thing. It sounds like this new guy is. You know, he is the new guy, the top don. So. We'll see what this guy. Yeah, like you said, we've nothing we can. We'll just see how it shapes out, I suppose, how it shapes up. So that's yeah, what's uh, all that's kicking around over in the news world. Not much, really, other than something that we've pushed into review and discussion because this does need some discussion. It's quite important. I think you'll agree. So for a few months now, you and I have been uh, chewing the fat over what they're going to do in terms of Star Wars timelines for the next. Uh, batch of films or tv stuff or books whatever and we had some rumors that knocked around that it was going to be old republic stuff 
kind of guessed it was going to be that time frame, certainly prior to the Skywalker saga and stuff. And the other day, in fact, Star Wars announced that the next kind of big publishing push, the next big batch of stuff they're going to push out is not going to be films or TV yet anyway. But the first thing uh, is going to be uh, the new... Um, uh, the the Star Wars The High Republic is going to be the new uh, batch of stories that are going to be put out by what we've known previously as Project Luminous, which is this uh, sort of collective of storytellers, authors, um, comic book writers, and all those guys that last year Lucasfilm brought together so they could figure out this whole new kind of multi-channel storytelling thing. So that's now Star Wars The High Republic. It's essentially... Uh, a time period of approximately 200 years prior to the um, the events in The Phantom Menace. So in this era of Star Wars, everything is a lot more... There's there's not so much upheaval throughout the galaxy. There's no there's no big political agenda from any, any one person or any party. Uh, it's a, basically a case of the Jedi are sort of large in number. There's loads of them. And they kind of... They're, they're kind of acting out their uh, description of what Obi-Wan says early on to Luke Skywalker. He went in A New Hope where he says, you know, the Jedi were once sort of guardians of the galaxy, you know, uh, sort of protecting, you know, peace, you know, all that stuff throughout the galaxy. This is that kind of era. Uh, so everything's kind of, kind of nice and looking and shiny and glittery and there's no sort of corruption and, you know, the stuff hasn't hit the fan throughout the galaxy yet. So uh, the Project Luminous thing is now the High Republic and they're going to kick off later this year, so in August, and this coincides with uh, Star Wars Celebration, which is going to be back in Anaheim, I think, uh, in August. The first. So what they're going to do, they're going to release a bunch of books and comic books uh, across, uh, I think it's a, I don't know, space of six months to a year, something like that. And they're going to kick off with... Um, What's the first one? Got it here. The first book that they're going to go with is, uh, I think it's called Into the Dark. Uh, Into the oh, sorry, the uh, Light of the Jedi is going to be the first book, and that's the one that's going to debut at uh, Star Wars Celebration this August. And uh, yeah, so big interconnected story, dude. Um, young adult books, proper novels, comic books. Uh, this is Project Luminous. Was this what you were expecting, or is this? Were you expecting more of a proper multi-channel thing across like video games and TV and stuff? Because it's just books. It's just published media at the moment. Um, I think this is phase one of it. You know, they've dropped the High Republic into some of the comics very recently. You know, if you look at some of the the, the, the ones that are dealing with Law Santeca and, and Skywalker and Ben Solo going out into the wild and exploring, you know, the early days of Luke's regenerated Jedi Academy the High Republic is thrown in there a couple of times. So I think obviously it, it, it's it's something that I think they're going to start in that medium. I do see it being rolled out further, but I think that's contingent on reception because let's be totally honest, you know, a publishing schedule like this and certainly something that is focused purely around publishing is only really going to target the actual fans. Yeah, you might get, you might get, you know, the odd person picking up the odd book, dipping in, dipping out, but this is... This is testing this concept. I think it's really clear to see that this is a cheaper way to test. Do people have an appetite for the High Republic? What stuff sticks? What stuff doesn't stick? What works? What doesn't work? What do people gravitate to? What do people hate? Let's not make the Jar Jar Binks mistake again. You know, let's actually test this in a slightly different manner. Maybe put out some other media as well. You know, maybe there's an animated series in there to start with. Um... And then see how it flies. You know, let's then introduce some big names. Let's say that in this extended universe, this version of it, Darth Revan, existed during this time frame. You know, maybe that's the next play. So I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised by this. Um, I certainly don't think it's the end of Project Luminous. I don't think this is all Project Luminous is. I think it's, um, this is just them testing the water and moving it, moving it into the psyche of the Star Wars fans just to see if we like it just to see if we're all right with it. And if we are, all well and good, let's push ahead, let's do a little bit more with it, let's see what characters really stick. There are a couple of things that are interesting to me with it. Um, 
you know, the, the, the Benioff and Weiss stuff was supposed to be back in the old Republic days, so I call it a thousand years plus pre-Phantom Menace. Um, this, I think, is a nice middle ground between that era and what we know as the Skywalker saga era now, because I think if, you know, we talked about it before, what are the hooks? You know, we're, we've all, outside of the first Star Wars film, everything that's come after that has had a hook. Oh, look, there's Luke Skywalker. We recognize him. There's Han Solo. Wait a sec. These are all people that we know, or at least there's one person that we know that we can hook to, or we can throw a name into a book to link to. And I think the Old Republic stuff didn't have that, but the High Republic, that era, 200 years-ish, you know, we've got to remember Chewie's still knocking around. We've got to remember Maskinata's still knocking around. And more importantly, we've got to still remember that Yoda is still knocking around. And Yoda is actually, you know, he's still been around for what, 650 years at this point? So we've got things to hook to. And I think that that is a smart marketing move. And that is a smart content move that we can... You know what it's like as a Star Wars fan. If we're reading stories about brand new characters in this time frame that we've never heard, and suddenly, you know, maybe Yoda's not quite on the Jedi Council yet. He's out there doing his thing. He's fighting the fight. He's on the ground. He's in Africa on the ground. And he's, you know, he's out there doing his job as a Jedi Master suddenly that becomes quite interesting to us. So I think that's that's the overall play on this sort of thing. I think that's that's where they're going with it. Yes, no, I agree, dude. And um it, it's also a it it's also sounds like a very good I wouldn't say a blank canvas, because there's obviously lots of Star Wars lore and stuff around this period anyway, but it just hasn't been uh, sort of published any story form in depth before it's only been mentioned here and there across other things. So it's not exactly a blank canvas, but it's certainly a very good a very good way to get all these storytellers together and then not be shackled by uh, all of the, the the Skywalker saga stuff or any of the things that we've seen in video games like the Old Republic and and all that stuff. So it's a very good way. So in terms of uh, time period, it's very cool because we've really not seen anything in depth about this before. So that's great. Uh, and also in terms of location within, so the galaxy, so the, a little bit of blurb that they that they put out with this was, uh, it was they say it's a golden age for the Jedi uh, and also a time of galactic expansion in the Outer Rim. So expect there to be tales of exploration, uh, charting out the galaxy, meeting new cultures and discovering what Pioneer's life uh, in the Outer Rim was like. So it's a great kind of sandbox really for those guys who are in this Project Luminous to be like, right, we don't have to worry about linking this character into the canon somehow we don't you know there's no Han Solo prequel we have to worry about there's no you know there's no uh you know no, there's nothing that's sort of latching them onto what we already know it's like just go ahead and just crack on and just come up with the most creative cool Star Wars stories you can you know give us new characters new adventures all that stuff and like you said let's just give this a bit of a test let's put out a series of stories and comics and books and let's see how it goes if people love it then great We'll crack on and we'll, we'll we'll bung a bit more money into it and do some other stuff. So I'm excited for this, dude. I think and uh, and they've also they've they've gone kind of full on, but not sort of too crazy with it. So I think they're only releasing a dozen stories to begin with. So the first one, like I said, is um, Light of the Jedi. The next one is Into the Dark, uh, which is the Claudia Gray one, which is the the YA novel. Then they've got A Test of Courage, which is the middle grade one for slightly uh, younger folks to read. Uh, then they've got uh, High Republic Adventures, which is the first comic, which kicks off from IDW, which is interesting. That's the other thing I'll come on to. And then they've got High Republic by Kevin Scott, which is the Marvel version. So that's interesting. So they've got the IDW range, which is under the same name almost as the Marvel stuff. So that's kind of cool. And then we're going to finish up with uh, an, uh, a proper adult novel, say proper, uh, an adult novel, which is called... Um, uh, uh, the light of the Jedi thing. So, yeah, it it seems like it's a decent push to begin with. It's a great way for people to say, "Oh yeah, I like young adult. Young adult, I'll pick that up. That'll be good." I also am a, a comic book reader, so I'll pick that up. If I like that, I'll go and get this other novel and stuff. So, it's an exciting time, dude. Uh, one thing I'm really interested though is what are their overall longer plans? Because as we've seen over the years, there's only so much you can do in in one sort of medium really so they 
you know, as long as people want the books, it's all good. You can bring out, you know, a string of books, you know, 10, 20 books, it's all good. But one thing that you and I discussed a few weeks ago or a few months ago when we first spoke about Project Luminous was the value in the proper multi-channel stuff. So be interesting to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, it's a balancing act that as well because you, the Rise of Skywalker, you know, and, and you mentioned this on, on last week's show about it filling in some of the plot points in other media. Like that's, whilst it's great for the fans, it's not great for general moviegoers and TV goers because it's, it, it's requiring them to take extra action and consume other things and ultimately spend more money, which is not always a great way to do it. So I think, you know, I mean, these guys are experts at it, obviously, but... It just needs to be very carefully managed, given what has happened with with the rise of Skywalker. I think um, I, I'm, I'm the same as you, dude. I'm massively excited for this, and I think it's right back to what we discussed when Project Luminous was first announced. The the the, the quality of talent that they've brought in for this, you know, Charles Sewell, Claudia Gray, and Kevin Scott in particular, I'm very excited about. You know, Kevin um, Scott did did, did um, Dooku. Uh, was it Lost Jedi, Fallen Jedi, Jedi Fallen Jedi Lost, whatever it was, the Dooku. The Jedi uh, audiobook, you know, Claudia Gray has done a, a, a smattering of amazing new canon stuff, including, I think, the Lost Star stuff and some of the Leia stuff, all of which have been right up there in my favourites. And Charles Charles Sewell is just, his pedigree is fantastic. So, you know, these are heavy hitters. These guys know Star Wars. They know how to tell a Star Wars story. And I'm, ex- I'm the same as you. I'm excited for them to be able to tell a story that's not rooted in what happened to Sifo Dias when Duco did this? And what happened to Leo after this time frame? And wait a minute, does that timeline match with that? You know, they can they can really craft their own tales. And what interests me with this is, like, how involved are Hidalgo and Dave Filoni? You know, are they involved in this now? Are they still part of the story group? Have they got five new whiteboards out up, up in Burbank in California and, and, and mapped out, you know, this time frame? Is it all the same people that have made the Clone Wars and some of the books so cohesive and so well done. If so, very excited for this. I think it'll work really well. If it's not, if it gets the same treatment as maybe some of the more recent movies have got, which have been less coherent, blatantly less planned out, you know, I think that is going to be a challenge for them. Um, but overall, man, I think it's, you know, it's it's a clear run. It's it's interesting. Uh, like I said before, I'm very glad that they've just got enough in there to hook us. You know, you throw a Yoda in, you throw in a Chewie, you throw in a Maskinata, and you know, I'm sure there are other characters that are, that, that that are of an age that will 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 fit. Um, and you get as excited. So they've got enough to hook to, but like you said, they're not bound by anything. So yeah, very very interesting, man. Very very interesting. And one thing that I'm going to throw in there as well. Do you think this in some way, not necessarily will be reliant on it, but do you think this will be some way linked to like the whole baby Yoda thing? You know, like what is this species? Are we going to see more of that because Yoda is around? Do they stay away from that? Like what what, what does your gut tell you they'll do there? Are we going to, is this part of a wider strategy because of what they've done with a baby Yoda, what they've done with a time frame and that Yoda is around? Like, is that a play or is that just a happy coincidence? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not consider that. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, just uh, before I answer your question, though, Hidalgo is involved in this. So um, they 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 stuck a trailer out for this as well, which is on their YouTube channel at the moment, and uh, it's got like a little 20 second intro. But then the remaining sort of two minutes of the video is behind the scenes of all the writers going to Skywalker Ranch and all that jazz, and you see Hidalgo there, and they've got the whiteboards up, dude. So I think you'll be pleased about that. Um. But yeah, in terms of like Baby Yoda and stuff, uh, I haven't considered that. I mean, it's, I I would say that not at first. I would say in the first two waves, I suppose. Are they calling these waves? Like the first wave of books that are coming out. I don't think we're going to see any of that stuff in the first couple of waves, put it that way. I think if, I think if you were going to do something like this, you would really want to try and let it stand on its own two feet from the off. Because the last thing you want is a bloody crutch character or or a situation where you have to re, to rely on that as like your your kind of tentpole for the rest of everything you're going to do. So if they do introduce something to do with Yoda and that species early on, that's all you're ever going to hear then for like for the next however many books and comics they put out after that or a TV show. 
you're always going to have fans saying, yeah, but what about Yoda? But what about Yoda? But what about this? And what about Yoda? So I think for the first couple, they're just going to see how this runs with the newer characters. And I think that was one of the benefits and the advantages of bringing all of these storytellers together and saying to them, look, you've got a, you've got complete freedom to tell whatever story and create whatever characters you like. So I think once they get that cemented in, then we might see them kind of trickle some of the the names that we recognize in after that, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair, dude. I think that's fair. Like you said, you don't want to have a crutch character and you end up back in the same old problem then, don't you? So I, I'm, I'm fully with you on that. I totally agree. I think that's a, 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 a safe assumption, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't considered it before, though. I hadn't considered the whole how they how would they would sort of cross cross uh reference some of the stuff we've seen in the Mandalorian but it's interesting stuff though dude it's um yeah and I can't wait so you you'll be able to pre-order a bunch of this stuff pretty soon I would say um so the the light of the jedi that's going to be debuting in August but I would imagine you could you'll be able to pre-order some of that stuff so um yeah uh, I imagine you and I will pick this there all these stories up at the end of the year and we'll give you our thoughts and all that jazz and and go from there but it's exciting times dude it is man it's good to um as much as i love all of the skywalker stuff you know it's nice to be unshackled from that for a little while um i mean it'll take a little bit of time to bed in and get used to the new characters get a feel for them really care about them as much as as we do the skywalker peeps but overall i think it's i think it's a very exciting time man and it's it's um it's going to be curious to see if they do anything with the skywalkers moving forward you know, because we still have all that very fertile territory, that 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens that is all very fertile ground. So, yeah, interesting stuff, dude. Indeedy, indeedy. Yes. And I think we'll 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 stick a pin in it there, bud, for episode 46. We're not going to be able to get on to the random spotlight because we've chanked on again about news and this High Republic. But the High Republic stuff warranted a bit of chat, I think, because... It is a, a a new direction for the for the franchise, an exciting time. So I don't know what our plans are for next week because you're still on your travels in your camper van doing the whole US thing. So uh, we will let you guys know what's happening next week. It will be one of us for sure. And uh, I've already got a couple of people lined up if Mark has to, has to bail, if he wants to go to Disneyland or whatever. It's all good. I think next week I'm actually at a conference, which is really dull. I'm a, uh, <laughs> I want to go to Disneyland. You want to go to Disneyland, <laughs> dude? Are you going to Galaxy's Edge while you're out there? Is that on the cards or no? Well, so we were up in Los Angeles for the previous conference, and it was um, all the feedback that we got because we only had. Well, actually, that's not true. We had we had we had more than one day free, but after the conference was a free day, um, and we didn't do it before the conference because we had other stuff to do. So we thought about going on that one day and driving out to Anaheim. It's only an hour's drive. It's super easy. We've done it before um, for when Podcast Movement. Podcast Movement was actually in the building that uh, the Star Wars celebration is in, which was quite interesting. Um, But we didn't do it because a lot of the feedback that we got was from the local people was saying that actually it's so hit and miss that you can easily pay for a ticket to Disney apply super early when you get in there for a boarding pass to Galaxy's Edge and just not get one. So unless you're desperate to do Disney or Universal or whatever, whatever it is that else that's out there, it's a bit of a risk at the minute to do Galaxy's Edge. Uh, um, see. Right. So we didn't do it in LA because we only had that one day. So we did the Warner Brothers tour instead, which was just outstanding. Um, having said that, we've got two conferences starting next week. So we've got one still out in San Diego, then one where we're bouncing over to Orlando for a while. And there is an opportunity maybe to do it in Orlando, so we'll see. I'll report back on that. But if it's the same problem, it's highly doubtful um, because it's just, at the minute, if they're only letting so many people on with a boarding pass, it just seems a silly risk, you know? Yeah, true, man. Yeah. That'd be cool, though. If you get over there, you can be the SOR sort of reporter. Take a load of pics and tell us what it's like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm up for that. Yeah, if I do, I'll, uh, you know me, I'll be I'll be reporting back in yeah. probably way too many words. Indeed. Yeah. Spark 
YTO. We're going to close out the show there. It's been awesome uh, talking to you guys as always. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Remember to go and subscribe uh, to the show on whatever podcast app you prefer to listen to your podcasts on or head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. You can link over to all of those app to networks and give us a sub there so you can uh, listen to the show when it lands every single Saturday. Also on the socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Again, do a search for Spark of Rebellion. We'd love to uh, chat with uh, chat with you and talk Star Wars throughout the week, which is always fun. And also, if you love what we do here, we would love your support over on Patreon. So head over to sparkofrebellion.com. No, sorry, patreon.com forward slash sparkofrebellion. There's too many Spark of Rebellions out there on every website and app. So head over to patreon.com forward slash sparkofrebellion. Loads of tiers there. We'd love your support. And everything that we... Uh, uh, that comes through Patreon, we, we pump it back into the show. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to make some extra cool content for you guys. So, until next week, buddy, I will see you then. You will. Thanks for having me back, dude. It's always good to catch up, good to uh, good to chat, miss, miss being on the show. Um, so, yeah, thanks to everyone that's that's been persistently tuning in. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and thanks to you, dude, for holding the fort down the last couple of weeks. No worries, dude. Always a pleasure. Right, until next week, take care of yourselves, and may the force be with you always.